Okay, let's open in a word of prayer this morning. Great God and Father, we thank you today for salvation. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus to come to this earth to die upon the cross and rise again the third day that we, through him, can have eternal life. We have no merit to come before you, only through Jesus Christ. We're thankful salvation is totally of you from beginning to end. Father, we pray for Kathy Allman, her family. Just pray your strength there, your hope that you provide through your word, through other believers. We pray for this opportunity in Maine, working in a shelter that our sister has here. Just pray that you'll work all that out. We know there's so many people hurting in the world around us, and we could come to you and name all day all the different needs that we have, but we praise you, Lord, that you hear us. You never turn us away. You're faithful. You are always with us. And I pray, Father, today as we look to your word, Father, you would guide us through your Holy Spirit. And I pray all the unsaid needs that are represented here this morning, those that are a burden only they and you know, Father, may, may you meet each one in your special way because we know your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts higher than our thoughts. We just praise you, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a month of July, Joe had asked me to fill in, and I'm always honored and privileged to open God's Word with you. We're going to be, as you know, I like to go to the Old Testament. Uh, there's so much we can learn in different passages with different uh, characters. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a, a prophet in a few minutes, but as we do our study, we're going to do our study first and our prayer time at the end, and I promise we'll have time. But as God was leading me to this passage, I was reminded how often the Bible, the Word of God, reminds us the need for prayer. As Mike shared last week in Philippians 4, we're told, The Lord is near, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. We're to come before the Lord. James reminds us the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Paul records in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 21, 22, and in all things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. And further instructs in Matthew 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. David reminds us in Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And again in Psalm 143, 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. An inmate named Jason Rivera, he's in Fulton, Missouri, shares this about prayer. Prayer overdue, serving his time in Fulton, Missouri. 
My Father who is in heaven, I cry out to you for wisdom and understanding and nothing but the truth. I try to figure out a way to say to you the things I'm really sorry for. My prayer is overdue. I am truly blessed to have you in my presence. It makes me a stronger person through my prison sentence. I see a better future that you gave me through these eyes. I try to forget my past and how I told so many lies. Thank you, Lord, for it is you who restored my faith. It's only you who can judge me for that I'm feeling safe. So, Lord, please, I beg you, bless me with another day. With you in my heart, I know tomorrow will be okay. Just a few days ago, we celebrated our nation's birthday. Many of us safely shot fireworks in our grandchildren's favorite favorite poppers that they like to throw around Pop-Pop and see him jump out of the way. We grilled gluten-free brat, sausage, and beef ribs. Others spent the day at Clearwater Beach or at a neighbor's pool to try to beat the 90s heat. And some just relaxed inside the house enjoying the A.C. We can be thankful for the freedoms we enjoy in the United States of America. And the undeserved mercy and grace God has rained down on all of us. I was encouraged as I... Looked at the paper on July 4th. I don't know if any of you noticed, but there was a whole page put in there that talked about one nation under God. And I read through that, and I found that encouraging. Here's what one of it said about president. This was under presidents. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. That was George Washington. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel, Benjamin Franklin. And there were all kinds of quotes. I don't know if you saw, but... It was nice to turn to that page and to see that in the paper. Our country desperately needs our prayers. And we have a great example of an Old Testament prophet who prayed for his nation. That intercessory model national prayer for us is shared by a prisoner of war prophet named Daniel. Please join me in Daniel chapter 9. And here in verses 3 through 19, we find three stages to this prophet's prayer for his nation. Three stages to this prophet's prayer for his nation. And I believe this is a reminder this morning that we need to be praying for our country as well. Daniel chapter 9, beginning of verse 3. 
But before we look at Daniel's prayer, we need some brief history as to where Daniel 9 fits. Daniel reads and studies the prophecies of Jeremiah that the desolation of Jerusalem would be fulfilled in 70 years. He was reading Jeremiah 25, 11, 12, 11 and 12, which shares this whole land will be a desolation and a horror. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will be when the 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, declares the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. And then he was reading Jeremiah 29.10, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Historically, Daniel realized the 70 years of captivity was almost over. Daniel's had two visions of future events and his third vision would be recorded on later in chapter 9. The time of this prayer was 538 B.C., about 67 years after Jerusalem had been captured by Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel was carried off to Babylon, 605 B.C. So almost 70 years as Jeremiah had prophesied, Daniel knew the end was coming. Daniel was now in his 80s, and unlikely he would be able to physically return to Jerusalem, so the hope of that return, I believe, sparked this prayer for his country. Daniel knew God keeps his promises, as we know today, and at the end of 70 years that God would allow them to return to Jerusalem. Hope is important in life, isn't it? As I was thinking of the hope here that Daniel's sharing with this prayer, I came across this written by Joy Armstrong, who's serving 10 years in Gatesville, Texas, incarcerated at this time. And she entitles this hope, and I thought it's a good reminder. Just when you think all hope is gone, the Lord says it's time to move on. We bother ourselves with the smallest stuff and make things harder or seem too tough. We hustle and bustle and wear ourselves thin, then complain that we don't know where to begin. Don't waste time worrying and stressing all the time. He can change the world at the drop of a dime. To keep faith and praise Him is all that He asks, and to put Him first above all our tasks. So go read his word. It'll set your heart on fire. The Holy Spirit will give you hope through whatever transpires. And again, she's sharing that and she's behind bars serving time for something she admits she did. But her hope is where? It's in the Lord. It's in God. So with this history in mind, let's examine the three stages of Daniel's intercessory prayer for his nation. Stage number one, Daniel's preparation for prayer. Daniel's preparation for prayer. We're going to read verse 3. So I gave my attention to the Lord God 
to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Daniel gave his attention to the Lord God, turned away from other things to concentrate on his time with God. Daniel had just seen two visions concerning Israel's future, so now he's needing to refocus on this prayer for his country. Do we refocus all of our life's distractions and problems so we can concentrate on our prayer time with the Lord? What are some ways to help us refocus? How do we refocus? Or do we let everything just keep filtering in? Anybody have any ideas? Music? Music? Getting alone in a closet? Praying in private? And you know what? While I was serving, and this is amazing, while I was serving at Pinellas County Jail as a chaplain, you know how many inmates said, now I've got distractions removed. I can spend time in prayer. All those things going on on the outside, they're cut off. They're told what to do and when to do it. And so they said now their prayer life had been growing while they've been in jail. So sometimes God removes those distractions, doesn't he? But we need to focus, and Daniel is focusing. He's concentrating as he prepares to pray for his nation to God. We note first the prophet gives attention here as he's preparing to the Lord God. He focuses his attention on God. And I believe he's anticipating an answer from God. When we pray, do we anticipate an answer? We say, God, well, I don't know if you hear me or if you're going to answer. We should, because he will answer. Is it always the way we think? (coughs) Not very often, is it? Usually it's a surprise, but it's always better because God's ways are better. This word here of giving attention speaks of searching with a desire of obtaining. And it says further, by prayer and supplications, he has specific requests in this prayer and he wants all that focus as he prepares to come before God. He wants to focus on the subject of his nation, of Israel. So first, Daniel prepares himself by focusing on his upcoming prayer. Second, it says, he prepares by fasting. Fasting is abstaining for a period of time from some important and necessary activities in our lives so we can spend time in prayer before God. It's similar to Nehemiah after he heard the report about the broken down walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 1.4. It says, So it was when I, Nehemiah, heard these words about the broken down walls, I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And thirdly, Daniel prepares himself with sackcloth and ashes means putting on rough cloth, which speaks of powerful needs in his life on behalf of his country. And ashes, a symbol of grief and humility. We know Job, after he had questioned God in Job 42.6, shares, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
It's so important we come humbly before the God in heaven with our prayers. Why? Why is that important? Anyone have an idea? Why is it important we come humbly before God as we prepare to pray? Is that important? We're undeserving. Showing our dependence on Him out of respect and reverence for God. He's a holy God and yet He has time for us to hear our prayers. Now in verse 4, Daniel opens his prayer with praise for God's faithfulness. Here it says in verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. The prophet praises God for his faithfulness in keeping his covenant and his loving kindness for those who obey his commandments. Commentator Reynolds Shower shares, because he, God, faithfully keeps his covenants and shows loving kindness, there was hope for Israel if it would repent and love and obey God. God shows his faithfulness to us every day, doesn't he? He keeps his promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He protects us from those close calls in our lives. You know how many close calls we have in our lives every day if we really reflect back? Some we have two or three. Some we have almost continually. But God is faithful that we will not be in his presence, we will not be end our time here on this earth until God says, and he knows when it is, exactly when that moment is. God has shown his faithfulness to Daniel when he was taken as a prisoner of war as a teenager. The challenge of the king's food, the wise men's death sentence, of which he was a part, God's handwritten message for Belshazzar, safety in the lion's den, Daniel knew God is faithful. We've seen stage one of Daniel's prayer for his nation. Now we come to stage two, beginning in verse five. Stage two is his confession of national sins. His confession of national sins. Beginning of verse five through verse 15. First, Daniel confesses a general array of national sins which are all against God's holiness in verse 5. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. We have sinned, meaning a serious crime or offense. Daniel identifies with the sins of the nation and the collective responsibility Daniel shares in promises of blessing and warning of divine judgment for disobedience. James Montgomery Boy shares, When Daniel prayed for his people, confessing the sin that caused God to punish them by the deportation, he did not distance himself from his people, but rather identified intimately with them in his confession. He uses the word we 14 times in verses 5 to 18. 
As we pray for America, we need to pray including ourselves like Daniel. When I started this message with soldiers at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin on July 4th, while we were doing training up there, I shared the same idea with them as one soldier said, well, I haven't done all the things our country has, but I said, but I said we need to identify with our country when we come before God concerning our country. It's we, we're all a part of it. It says here, Daniel includes himself, we have committed iniquity. In other words, acted unjustly and gone the wrong way. We have acted wickedly and rebelled, speaking of restless and ungodly actions and rebelling and declaring war against God's commands and directions. And it says, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances, speaking of rebellion against obeying God and turning toward rather being disobedient. Secondly, the confession of national sin is included here in ignoring the warnings of the prophets and the servants, beginning of verse 6. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame. It is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, and all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. We see here Israel had received many, many warnings along the way of the upcoming judgment. We won't read this, but in Second Chronicles 30, it talks about the warnings. Jeremiah 34 talks about the consequences of continuing to ignore God's commands. Verse 7, Daniel acknowledges God is righteous in disciplining his nation. Israel had sinned, as Daniel points out, four times. What about us? What does 1 John 1.9 say? If we confess, admit, that's the hard part, isn't it? Because pride tends to get in the way. But we need to humble ourselves. We need to admit that we've sinned and come short. And we need to agree with God it's sin against His holiness. Daniel, in lieu of his nation's judgment, says in verse 8, Open shame belongs to us, O Lord. Literally, Daniel felt shame for his nation, of which he was a part, of having turned away from God's presence as unworthy and ashamed of the sins that blocked that fellowship with God. Verse 9 points out, God is one of compassion and forgiveness. How often do we see that in our own lives? God showing compassion to us. And forgiveness. Daniel in this prayer knew of God's compassion and forgiveness for his people if they would repent. 
of their sin. Turn away and turn back to God. Then Dr. Warren Wordsby shares this. Daniel's prayer is one of the greatest examples of intercession in the Bible. He reviews Bible history and confesses that the nation has been wicked and God has been righteous to judge them. It is wonderful to see Daniel identifying himself with his sinning nation, though he himself had not been guilty of these sins. Do we identify with our nation's sins as we cry out for God's compassion and forgiveness? I think it's important just at some time in the next few days, if you get a chance, write down all the blessings God has blessed America with. And I think we'll have a long list. Because of the sins going on in our nation, God could have judged us, but he hasn't. His mercy, his long-suffering for us as a country has gone on and on. Here he's showing his mercy toward Israel, but we're not the chosen nation of Israel, but we are a country founded on biblical principles. I know if you look back at the old versions of the history books, you'll find that to be true. Maybe not so much in the new ones, but you'll find it in the original ones. God's word, God's commands as a whole have been dismissed and replaced with things anti-biblical, but we still have hope for our country. We need to continue to pray for the nation, for our nation. Third is Daniel's confessing sins before God. is a confession of sin by Israel was it disobeyed the voice of God, beginning at verse 10. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants and the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus he has confirmed his words, which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us, to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. So we see Israel, Daniel's country, disobeyed God. As outlined in Deuteronomy 28, and the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 28:63 to 67. We won't read those, but that's where it's recorded. Further explained even in Leviticus 26. In other words, Daniel acknowledges that as his country disobeyed God and turned from him, they were cursed, judged by being taken out of their land and became captives of Babylon. Israel got what was coming to them, but God didn't destroy them, did he? He disciplined them for their disobedience. And I know we've had this study, as Pastor Steve has shared, why does God discipline us? Because he hates us? Why? Because he loves us. And if he didn't care, he wouldn't take the time to do it. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I didn't always like discipline from dad. Did, did anybody enjoy that? 
Sometimes you did? Well, that's good. We've got one here that did. Okay. <laughs> well, I know sometimes I didn't understand it, but as I, as you grow older, you become an adult, you start to see, you know, there was a reason for it. It's to protect us. It's because our parents love us that they discipline us. Sometimes it's to get our attention. Sometimes it's to get us back on the path God has for us. But most of all, we need to remember God disciplines us because He loves us, because He cares. Fourth, the final confession Daniel shares is Israel didn't repent despite all the warnings. We read here in verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God. By turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth, therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. Despite all the warnings, despite all the prophets crying out to Israel to repent, they didn't repent. While serving at Pinellas County Jail, inmates would often refer to what's called a wake-up call. And we'd talk about that, and I'd say, what do you mean by that? And, he, and I said, well, I said, a wake-up call is God just kind of stops everything to get your attention. I'm sure nobody here has ever had a wake-up call. But I think we all have at points in our lives where God says, you're getting so distracted, you're looking so many directions but at me, I'm going to wake you up. Say, whoa, boy, now you got my attention. When we get wake-up calls, we don't know how many of those we're going to get in our lives. One man, Eric, asked, Chaplain, how many do I get? I said, I don't know, this could be your last one. We don't know, do we? But God does it to get attention. And despite all the warnings here, Israel wasn't listening. They were getting a wake-up call to turn back to God, but they weren't listening. They ignored him at this point. Israel continued rebelling, similar to what went on in Genesis 6, 5 through 7, with Noah and the judgment of the flood at hand. Look back with me at Genesis chapter 6. We know things weren't real good there at that time for Noah, were they? The world was in pretty sad shape. Genesis chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But then verse 8, But Noah found favor, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Praise God. So, even though Israel didn't turn back to God at this point, they were being disciplined because God cares. They received many wake-up calls, but they continued to rebel. Repentance means turning away from sin and turning toward God in obedience. And that's what the prophets had cried out, but there was no national response. 
Today we in America have heard and are hearing cries for repentance. Not too many. I know here at Lakeside that is taught, but there aren't a lot of churches that do. But there is a cry for repentance. So as a nation, since America has not responded, do we give up? Or do we come before the Lord in prayer like Daniel? Do we admit we have national sins that we need to confess before God? Or do we just say, forget it. It's not worth it. The third and final stage of Daniel's prayer for his nation is in verses 15 through 19. And that third and final stage of Daniel's prayer is a cry for God's mercy. A cry for for God's mercy. Beginning of verse 15, we hear this cry. And now, O Lord, our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned. We have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath Turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes, see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel admitted his nation's sins and wickedness before God, as we too should on behalf of our country. The prophet cried out in verse 15 that throughout history, how God had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, showing his great power. I'm reminded of the story of this little five-year-old boy in Sunday school, and his teacher was teaching about the nation of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And the teacher said, well, that time of the year, the Red Sea was probably only about six inches deep. And this little boy, he raised his hand, and the teacher was trying to go on, and he raised his hand again and again. And finally, the teacher said, okay, what is it, little Johnny was his name, who keeps raising his hand up, what did you want to say? And that little boy said with a big smile, it's a miracle. Because God drowned the whole Egyptian army in six inches of water. (laughs) Faith of a child. Israel and Daniel, as a citizen of Israel, had sinned. They'd been wicked. God had shown his mercy in the past as he shows mercy to us every day. How does God show his mercy to us? Not giving us what we deserve. Hearing our cries for help every time. Verse 16 reminds us we need God's mercy. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. 
Verse 17, Daniel cries out for God to listen for your sake, O Lord. Let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for your honor and glory. God, let Israel return to its land and the city of Jerusalem. God always keeps his word and Daniel knows that to be true. How long had God walked with Daniel on a daily basis while he was in captivity? Every day, just like he walks with us. Verse 18, Daniel cries out in this prayer for his country, focusing on God's compassion. Word compassion here refers to having pity, to be tender. Lamentations 3.22 remind us, for his compassions never cease They are new every morning. Verse 19, we hear the desperate cries of Daniel for his nation. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action for your own sake, O my God. Do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel knew his nation didn't deserve God's mercy, but he pleaded for God's great mercy and forgiveness. Our nation doesn't deserve God's mercy, but we can still cry out for it, as Daniel did here. Daniel took God at his word and he provided hope for his country, hope based on God's word. Daniel, an inmate serving his time in Wisconsin, wrote this, Where are you going? You say USA, land of the free, home of the brave. Where is everyone going when they meet with the grave? Do you have a status that says you are the elite? Or do you know the one who has marks on his feet? Soldiers beat a crown of thorns down on the top of his head. Do you know how he raised Lazarus from the dead? Carrying his cross up Calvary's hill, it was his heavenly Father's word to fulfill. He paid the price for our sins to atone so we wouldn't be separated from God and be all alone. Where are you truly going when you die? Think hard and don't pull the wool over your eyes. Don't believe any of Satan's lies. Only the saints will meet Jesus in the sky. It's heaven or hell, only two ways. Don't let this moment go for another day. We are not promised tomorrow, so please don't play It's here and now, and today is the day. Believing in Jesus is the only way for you to be saved. David Nett in Red Granite, Wisconsin, at that correctional institute there, wrote that. Let's remember three stages in Daniel's prayer for his nation. First, he prepared to pray. Secondly, he confessed his nation's sins. Third, he cried out, for God's mercy for his country. And I believe that's a great model for us today. Prophetically, we don't know where the United States fits as it relates to the nation of Israel. However, it's our duty as citizens of this great country to intercede for our nation in this time of crisis. Prayer is powerful and should be a daily part of our lives as we walk on this earth. The freedoms we enjoy could be taken away in a moment. The next time we update our prayer list, let's add our nation to it. Daniel made prayer for his nation a priority. So should we. I leave you with the words 
from God Bless America. God Bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the reminder from our brother Daniel who prayed for his nation as a reminder to us to pray for our nation. We need to come back to you as a country. We've strayed so far. All of us have. But Lord, we know you're a God of compassion, of grace and mercy. And just call upon you, Father, to continue to work in our country. Work through each one here. Everyone who, who's a believer in this country, work through each one. That they would know that you make the difference, the total difference, for not only now, but for eternity. And if we have opportunities to witness, help us to be bold with the gospel. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.